0: we do have a very special guest, and like I said, uh, outreach ministries we are trying to reach out to our community in a very uh, practical way and one of the things that the elders have have brought up through many of you is we want to say hey the lord 's been blessing us. How can we reach out into the community? Some of you have already been involved with local ministries and such and Well, we decided that uh, we would support them in the way we could. So in here is a a various list of different ministries, and one that we'd like to highlight uh, today is Good Samaritan Ministries. And uh, Kathy Scott is the director, and she's with us this morning. She's going to come share for a little bit, and then hopefully do a little question and answer time. And so please give her a warm welcome.
1: worshipped in this body some years back, and so it's kind of like coming home. One of the things I found about being uh, part of the body of Christ is wherever I go, I have friends and sisters and brothers, and it's just really neat. I've lived in Walla Walla a long time, and uh, I've gotten to know a lot of people, and so it's always good to see people that are glad to see you. I have uh, two purposes here today. The first one is to thank you. Good Samaritan Ministries, there's a little green sheet in your bulletin which will tell you a little bit further about us and what we do, but we could not exist in this community without the help of people like you who support us. We're faith based, donation funded, volunteer manned, free, nonprofit. And when I say nonprofit, that means true nonprofit. What comes in the door goes out the door to keep the place open. So there are no high salaries. There's, you know, if you donate, for instance, if you wanted to donate to an orphanage in Africa or to the work in the Ukraine or to the uh, recovery center in Israel, if you gave $50, $50 would go. There's no administrative fee or anything like that. So we're very unique in that in that manner. But we work on a local level as well, and without the support of people like you and churches like yours, we'd not be able to do that. I don't want to give you the statistics. They're in that little green sheet a little bit, so you can get an idea of the work that we do. But I want to tell you a story. It wasn't that long ago that there were four of us, and we were traveling. We'd gone to Athena, to a church in Athena, on a Friday evening to do a training in drug addiction recovery. And so we were coming back, and we were just almost to the state line, headed this way, about 10 o'clock at night. And there was a man in the road, and a woman bent over him. And it was just right there, right by state line, where the garden center used to be. And so I was driving, and the woman... uh, to the left of me, or to the right of me, said, uh, he's in the road. And so we immediately pulled around and parked in that little parking lot and sh- shined the lights on the woman and the man that were in the road. And there was a pickup there and it had two children in it. And one was asleep, two little boys, and the other one was looking out the window. I had a cold, and so I had laryngitis. And I couldn't hardly talk at all. And one of the women was a former school teacher, of, uh, uh, in the college place area, so we jumped out of the car, and the school teacher went into the truck to be with the boys. And I started to call 9-1. I was thinking about this the other day. This is interesting. I'm calling 9-1, and I can't talk. 911, But anyway, that's what I was doing, and the other two went to assist the woman and the man that were in the road. And the traffic on that highway is what, 60 miles an hour? 55, 60 miles an hour. And the cars were whizzing by. So one woman's out there in the road going, you know, because nobody can see these people hardly. Just the lights of my car were on them. And the other one, she's trying to help get the man at least to the side of the road. Now, I thought about this. You're not supposed to move people when they're down. But if they're going to be run over, you know, you kind of have to look at what are the odds here. So I called 911 and couldn't barely talk, but told them, you know, we were uh, stopped. There was a man in the road. There was a woman trying to help him, and we were trying to keep the traffic. Not one person stopped, other than us. Nobody stopped. Everybody went by. And the woman had called, but she'd not called 911. She'd called her family. So rescue people didn't even know what was going on. It seemed like it took them forever to get there. And the lady on the end of the 911 call, the dispatcher, I gave the phone to one of the other ladies, and uh, she was giving her instructions on how to do CPR to help this man and all of that. Well... The the rescue people came, and that was good, and the family came, and that was good, and we started to drive off. We got in my car, and we started to drive off, and we we couldn't. We just stopped, and we needed to pray because all of us were in our own trauma at that moment of having uh, been there, so we prayed before we went home. And we went back the next day to complete the training because it was another day of training. And I had had a blanket in my car, and the blanket was on the side of the road. And um, I don't pass that place going toward Milton Freewater without remembering that night and that no one stopped. A few days later, the four of us went to his funeral. And I went up to the woman... And uh, she'd been, you know, desperately trying to help her husband. And uh, she spoke very little English, but I said, "We, we are the ones who stopped. And she gave me the biggest hug, said thank you over and over and over again. I believe being a Samaritan is doing the right thing, doing the hard thing on your worst day, when you really don't feel like it. There are lots of Samaritans. All of you, I know, are people who are willing to reach out and help other people. We live in a very hurting world. We live in a very hurting community. And we see people every day who are struggling Probably one of the, the, the major thing that I hear from the clients that I see and in the classes that I teach are, I don't know who I am. For whatever reason, circumstances in their lives have changed, and they've lost themselves. So part of our base teaching is that you are a beloved child of God. You are uniquely created with purpose and meaning and value. And don't let anybody take that away from you. It's not prideful. It's not egotistical. It's a fact. God planned you before the beginning of time. Every day was written down in his book. And you are right on schedule. This is where you're supposed to be today. And God loves you. And people struggle. We live in a world that values you by what you do. When you beat people, they say, what do you do? I'm a professional volunteer. (laughs) And they look at me like, you don't get paid? No. Remember that part in Scripture where Paul says, because I am compelled... People say, "Well, why do you do that?" Because I am compelled. Because somewhere in my DNA, God planted that there are people who need people to come alongside and walk with them through the tough times. And when you're in pain, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual, we need one another. I think our society a lot teaches us that uh, we don't need need people. We can stand alone. We're strong. We're independent. I call that wrong. We do need each other. I need you to support me. And you need me to support you through those tough times. We have some concepts at GSM. First of all, we are not a church. I have people ask me that all the time. Well, what church covers you? We are covered by the blood of Christ. And there is no particular church umbrella. This is really cool because when people come and they come for training, they represent all of the churches in the community, and some don't go to church at all. But what better place to know that you're the beloved child of God than with other believers? And so one of the concepts is that judgment drops at the door. All are welcome. Of course, we have some boundaries. Of course, we have some, some things that we stick by in our uh, work with people who are hurting. But all are welcome. We come against a spirit of entitlement. Our world teaches us that I, I can have it, I can have it all, and I can have it now. And I'm entitled. Jesus didn't teach entitlement. He taught sacrifice giving of yourself on behalf of your neighbor. I want to share with you a teaching. A woman was burying her son. And Jesus just happened to be going into this village. And here's the the men carrying this, uh, this son out. And it was the woman's only son. And so in the culture of that day, that meant there would be no one to support her because she was already a widow. Jesus didn't know the woman. He didn't know the son. But he saw her, and he took pity on her. And he went up, and he touched the man who was dead, which is another cultural taboo. And the man raised up. And it says, he gave the man, the, the mother, back her son. And then he walked on, doing what's right at the right time. That's being a Samaritan. Another teaching that I that I really really like, and this was new to me. It's not new, but it's old. But it's new. You know what's new is old, and old is new again. So I was reading the other day about the scripture where uh, Jesus says, "Who do they say that I am?" Well, they say you're Moses. They say you're Elijah, and Peter says, "You are the Christ, the Son of God." And Jesus says, "You're right." And on this I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I've known that scripture a long time. You've known it as well, and it's the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And for some reason, I'm thinking about the gates of hell marching against the church. But that's wrong. Gates are not an offensive weapon. Gates are a defensive weapon. So when it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, it means they shall not prevail against the advancing church. And the church is going to knock down the gates of hell. Now, you probably already knew that, right? I'm like, wow, is that cool? The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And the church is the body of believers wherever they are. GSM is is an extension of the body of Christ. The goal is to equip people through the training programs to be stronger in the Lord, to come back into this body so that you are empowered to be Samaritans to those who are hurting around you. I think that's exciting. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church which is moving forward. God bless you. Thank you very much for having me today. I did bring some newsletters, and I have them over on my chair over there. If you would like one as you leave today, by all means, be more than glad to give you one. Pastor?
0: I wanted to, yeah. I wanted to take a few extra minutes because, uh, you know, I feel like, uh, you guys hear me enough. Um, This is the ad-lib part. Yeah, this is the ad-lib part. (laughs) Make sure this is on. Um, I want to provide an opportunity for us to ask some questions, but also just for me to ask some important questions I feel um, counseling is, is a is a very tricky situation. Um, how many of you have situations in your own home that you feel just inadequate to handle? <laughs> just a couple of you <coughs> uh, kathy uh, let me let me ask you this when, when uh, a family comes to you, and let's say there's a council situation, whatever it might be. What is your chief principal? What are you looking at when they all when they gather in the room How, what's the process that you're going through and to try to discern and identify, and what is your chief end
1: Well, maybe if I walk you through the process of when someone comes in, that would be helpful that'd be great first of all is the phone call looking for help mm-hmm. and Our process is that we do what's called a preliminary appointment. Mm -hmm. And if it's a family with children, we ask for the parents to come without the children to start with. If it's an individual, then that individual comes in. So we have approximately a one-hour appointment where we gather information. And the most important questions that we fill out on the form are, why are you here? What are you looking for? Oftentimes, if it's a family situation, is you know, my child is out of control, and I don't know what to do. Many times what we'll do is we'll work with the parents first before we bring the children in, because sometimes if the parents can get going the right direction, then the children... One of the sad things in our society today is sometimes the kids are running the house. And the parents have abdicated the authority. So if you can give parents' permission and teach them to take the authority back, then the kids, even though they won't like it, there is something to be said for structure and something to be said for putting those boundaries in and standing by them. So sometimes parents need that extra, that it's okay to say no, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: not everybody's doing everything that you think they are. (laughs) And so if we work with the parents first, then we'll bring in the children, we'll do family therapy. And that's where everybody has an equal voice around the table, can say what they need to say, and then we can work through that. And rather than speaking to the counselor like me to you, we would have them speak to each other and say the hard stuff that they've not had maybe the courage to say. Right. Does that help?
0: Yeah. When, in, in these situations, what role does, obviously it's Good Samaritan Ministries, but how do the scriptures take play in there? How do you relate? Because not everybody who's walking the door is right. a Christian.
1: Right. First of all, we tell them right from the, from the get-go, they understand that we are a faith-based Christian organization, but they do not have to fit into that, mm-hmm. that mold. But they need to know where we come from. And so we will often bring scriptures in. Mm-hmm. However, we do honor if someone says, I don't want to hear anything about God, and I don't want to pray, then we, then we honor that, but that doesn't mean we're not praying, and that the Holy <laughs> Spirit isn't active and working.
0: And that you aren't giving godly concepts to your right, counsel. <laughs> right,
1: right, right. But we will go back to, you know, especially if people are believers, we will go back to, well, now, how did Jesus handle this situation right. or, or a similar situation? You know, he honored the family. He honored his mother, yeah, his brothers and sisters. And so we'll bring that into it as much as possible.
0: Right. What is the average? Um, I know you asked, you mentioned that people just, I don't know who I am. What is the average person uh, is it is it uh, what is the average problem that comes in the room what is it mostly is it Mm -hmm. is it uh, a relational issue is a substance issue is it uh
1: it's all over the board right now I think the thing that I am seeing most well almost all of it baseline is relational Mm -hmm. I think people are getting out of being in relationship with one another you don't have to talk to each other you can text you know you don't have, you can leave messages on phones you can email so i think relational is is bottom line the other thing that i'm saying that troubles me a lot is adults who were raised by parents who were into addictions so we get and so Generation. we have the cycle now of i can do what i want i can live the way i want to live my life with no consequences because i'm not hurting anybody and i have children And now those children are becoming adults who have no structure, no moral compass. Mm. And when they don't have a plumb line, then they're all over the place. But the problem is it doesn't take too long to figure that being all over the place doesn't work. And often people say, well, I've tried everything else. I guess I'll give God a chance. Amen. You know, so (laughs) in many ways, especially in marriage counseling, we're kind of like the last place they come. Right. And... um, we just see so many people who don't have any foundation under them in our world today. And it, it's very sad. It breaks my heart. But more and more that's what I'm seeing as the adult who was raised by parents who did drugs and did them heavy. And they were taken out maybe, put in foster homes. Sometimes they were given back. Um, usually they were abused. They have no value. They have no worth. We, we ha- are raising a generation of throwaway children, and that's sad, really sad.
0: Now, practically, how can, how can a, a body of believers like this help?
1: Well, first and foremost, you pray. <laughs> you pray. Um, I am very thankful for your financial support. Several people in this congregation are taking our training classes, lay counselor training classes. And it's a 3-year program. The first year is on personal ministry and stands alone. You could come and you could take those classes and you would be better equipped for ministering to other people. If you and of course, you know, we don't do anything on a here it is plate take it. There's homework involved. <laughs> And if you do your homework, then you can go to level two and level three, which are learning theories and techniques and going deeper into the issues like shame and uh, forgiveness and dealing with addictions, um, working with children who are reactive attachment disordered, and we get really specific into Mm -hmm. topics and theories in the second year so that people can really be equipped. You know, if you're talking to a... A child who has been raised in a home, a foster home, and is also um, searching for their biological parent, then you've got all kinds of things. And these children, many times, are the children that are called uh, children without a conscience. And to try and get them to attach to new parents Mm. when they're in their mind their parents threw them away is you know you you have to have some skills for that and so that's what we teach right. skills for working with people with the special special challenges
0: that's needed is there a need for counselors right oh, now? Oh
1: my goodness gracious. <laughs> Loaded question. Yes <laughs> indeed indeed and men I, I you know I love I love the women who come and uh, and that's great but we need men counselors a lot of young Uh, young boys and men relate better to a man father figures uh, I think that's why the friends program is so great here you know some of the men have stepped out you know I know Rick and gosh you know to be a dad a lot of a lot of people today don't know who their father is and one of the things that we teach is the Abba father relationship you know your your biological parent is who God used to get you here but your true father your Abba father is there for you all the time <laughs> and to teach that and to see someone come to an awareness that I do have a dad I do have a dad and he loves me and he's going to take care of me that's powerful
0: oh, I want to open up it uh, open for any questions just for a few minutes and then I have a couple closing questions uh, uh, does anybody have a question
1: <clears throat> this isn't a question but it's just a, a statement and um, this year I've done the first year and it's been an awesome experience. So I would just encourage anyone to pray about it and see if you have the time freed up to. It, there's homework involved, but even in doing that, I mean, it just it was awesome. So um, yeah. very cool.
0: Um, as far as marriage counseling is concerned, do your counselors avoid taking sides? <laughs> <laughs> Depends it depends on if you're the <laughs> husband
1: or the wife asking the question. <laughs> the the goal is to uh, never take sides. But it's amazing how much the couple feels that the counselor likes the other one better than they do me. And so that's just a, a natural comment that comes. But we strive really hard. And one of the things that, that we've done lately, which I like, is we split the couple up. And we have two different counselors and then we get together, the four of us, periodically and work as a foursome rather than just yeah. one person with the two. And that, I have found that that avoids, you know, that's a good way of not having the counselor be yeah. thought of as partial to one over the other.
0: Yeah. Have you found that people like to hear what they want to hear? <laughs> uh,
1: the reason people quit counseling lots of times and say, I don't like the counselor because she tells me what I don't like. You know, and it could be truth. Or uh, the other thing I would tell you is that most people know what they need to do. Most people know what's wrong. They just need someone to validate that and come alongside and help them make those steps. I need to be stronger in the Lord. All right? How are we going to do that? I have one more thing. Go ahead. Nobody's going to be admitted, right? Pardon me. I'm not. I don't understand your question. No psychiatric hospital admissions. Oh, no, we don't do that. <laughs> okay, great,
2: perfect. I, I do, no, Terry. <laughs>
0: um,
1: I'm. I'm curious about the. Uh, how does a person know that uh, Good Samaritan is available? I think back to. When my oldest son went bananas at that hormone shift, and I was lost and this was before GSM started here, uh, but uh, I was flailing uh, I was wondering I was asking is mm-hmm. can anybody help mm-hmm. and i didn 't know of anybody no right. uh, how how would a person who 's uh, uh, today having such a problem, how would they know there might be some help by calling you? Well, most of our – we don't advertise. Most everything is word of mouth. People who have been helped want to help others. And so when they, they're just talking and someone says, I'm having a struggle, have you heard about GSM? That's one way. We put out a newsletter twice a year, and I brought some today. We have great fundraisers couple times a year, we try to have big fundraisers to get the word out. We share in the churches, try to get the pastors aware of that we're here. And one of the things that I've found that has really been helpful is uh, there are a number of local doctors now who are referring patients to us. Uh, in the walk-in clinics, they have our brochures, and they have been giving out the them to people who come in who are emotionally you know, struggling and they'll say, well, let me tell you about this. We do also interact with the other agencies that are in the community. We're listed in the resource guide and yeah. those things that are around. Yeah. I think we have a pretty good relationship with the other agencies. Yeah. Byron has, has one last okay. one real quickly. Rick has his hand up too. Okay. Hey, Kathy. Um, a person
0: or a couple um, that... Uh, are kind of going back and forth about going to a counselor, how would you encourage that person to make that step of faith? Sometimes that's a hard step, either for the man or the woman or Mm -hmm. an individual, to make that step to come into your office. How would you encourage that person that they need to go and get counseled?
1: That's probably one of the tougher questions. (laughs) I, I tell people we all need help. Whether we think we've got our act together or not, we all need help. The toughest thing you'll do is make the first phone call. After that, it's your decision. You come in, you do that preliminary appointment. When you get to the point where you know, I'm not going to make it if I don't get some help, it's it's in your, your ballpark. You know, yeah. You make the call, you come in, you continue to c- come. If a couple comes and one of them falls falls out of counseling the door is open to that person to come back whenever they decide that they're ready to do the work because it's tough work anytime you start taking on the the demons and the the things that have you know in your past and all that stuff it's tough work and people will stop for a while and then they'll call back and they'll say i'm ready to do it now i'm ready to come back for a couple if one wants to continue and the other doesn't, then we continue with the one who does. Try to strengthen them home, strengthen them to stay as long as, you know, they, they are able to. We don't advocate divorce, but we walk with people as they go through it.
0: Yeah. Rick,
2: hey Kathy, uh, you know, we go way, way back. Amen. But I was unaware of exactly what you do and how you do it. And, uh, you know, I deal with kids who are right on the edge of falling off because there is not that love in the family, that attention that they need. And so I'm able to relate and help a lot of what I would like to know and what I would like to ask you. If we could set up a time where you could come out to the boxing club and just talk to our kids sure, about what you do and the opportunities that they have. We have um, uh, one young lady right now who is suffering so much because her, I mean, and her dad is a, a local lawyer. Mm-hmm. Very successful, mm-hmm. and her mom is an alcoholic and he
1: knows no limits yes, you <laughs> know reaches her, biological, all of
2: us. her biological father they were sharing custody one week. her biological father is, is just yesterday said she can 't see her mother anymore because mm-hmm. of that, and so she 's hurting, and Absolutely. i don 't know how to really comfort her in that, so it would be it would be a tremendous uh, advantage for our kids to just listening to the love that you have and the way you bring it across. You know, kids relate to that, and they understand that, and they feel that, as opposed to someone just saying, well, you got to do this. You have a gift God has given you, and I would love for you to come and share it with our kids.
1: That would be delightful, Rick. I also want to uh, thank Rick because we have uh, our major fundraiser is called a Great Sale. It's the first Saturday of every May, and uh, Rick brought his boys from the boxing club and they moved all that heavy furniture we've been collecting for a year. And it, you know, you can't you can't say thank you enough yeah. for something like that.
0: And you also moved all the furniture back in here with yeah. your, your crew. Those so thank guys you. are great. Yeah, I know. I like, now,
1: GSM, you know, is moving. We have a new place. We're, we're moving. And I do believe our office manager has your number because we have furniture.
0: Sounds like we have a trade. <laughs> <laughs> it's a done deal. Well, let's uh, give a hand to Kathy Scott. <laughs> Thanks Thank you for you. being here.
2: Thank you. Thank,
0: Thank you very me. much. We have their information in our outreach bulletin. Obviously, you can talk to Rainey, You can talk to Carol. Anybody else in the in the program? Kathy, uh, Kath- Kathy, Smelter. Terry Smeltzer. So there's a lot of people who are already involved. Marilyn. Okay. <laughs> so obviously, uh, very hurting world. Sin permeates our society. We are broken. Don't let uh, shiny things fool us. We need the Lord. We need his wisdom. And so here's an, a practical opportunity for us to, to be a part of something in our community that can make a difference. So um, next week we'll be in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit. Broken people. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Lord, we lift up this time. We want to thank you so much for our sister. We ask that you'd bless Good Samaritan Ministries. We ask that you'd open our eyes. Lord, that we wouldn't have faith without works. That we'd be a people connected to your community, connected to the problems. Lord, I even think about uh, just the, the school that's right under our nose right here with tons of families. God, open our eyes to the people around us and let us minister in your name by your power and your grace. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.